welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at All Day Packers, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. We're coming back to you after another week of the offseason. This is the true offseason grind. I mean, we've still got one game left of the NFL season. The Super Bowl is this Sunday. Uh, that should be fun, but, you know, <laughs> we're already in off-season mode here, and uh, we've got some news to discuss. We're going to go over every position on the defense, just kind of do a, you know, a, a kind of season review and uh, outlook into the 2022 season. We did that for the offense last week. If you didn't listen to that podcast, make sure to go listen to that. We're going to do the same thing for the defense today, but Ron, how are you? I'm good, Griff. Yeah, it's exciting to be talking about now the defense after we went and did the offense last week, and the in the defense there's a lot a lot of guys that are a little bit more i would say toss ups whether they're going to be back uh whether we're going to want them back guys on expiring deals and whatnot so um just like last week this is going to be really interesting and and we both both me and you griff will get a better picture of what we want this defense to look like in 2022 I feel like a lot of our special teams problems were uh, guys on defense, the depth of the defense, who were playing a lot of teams, uh, not living up to <laughs> what they need to do, not doing their job. But uh, speaking of special teams, did you like that transition, Bron? Uh, the Packers hire Rick Bisaccia to be their special teams coordinator. I mean, the biggest fish in the pond of this coaching offseason uh, for the very small pond of special teams coordinators. We finally get the big guy. We're not hiring from within. We go and get Rick Bisaccia from uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, who served as their interim head coach this season and brought them to the playoffs when no one expected that to happen. So, obviously, just a great hire. Do you have any general thoughts about the hire, Bron? Yeah, I, I love this hire. This was one of the two guys that I brought up right away as possibilities to be a home run hire due to really head coaching experience and, and recent special team success as coordinators. And that was Rich Passaccia, number one, and Joe Judge, number two. And I think they got the right one with Rich Passaccia because he is such a beloved coach uh, by all the Raiders players. I mean, they all wanted him to stay uh, in in Vegas as the head coach. But, um, you know, that him being interim head coach kind of just it, it wasn't meant to be there. Um, and we're lucky to have him. There was There's a lot of teams that wanted him. The Bears wanted him. The 49ers wanted him. And Green Bay was able to be the one that keeps him. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big one because – He's just had a lot of success on the special team side, and he showed what kind of a coach he is, a leader of men, um, and, and what type of human being and a man he is. So these are all things that we need an alpha male leader, a leader of men. We needed that in, in, in the special teams area um, to help out those younger guys who are almost like college-type type players compared to the guys we have on offense and defense like Rodgers and Campbell and whoever else that really don't need that same coaching or motivation. Bisaccia is a guy who's going to connect with these players right away, be a leader, and be more than anything a, a, a confidant to them, um, as well as he's going to be mistake-free and, and put great football out on the field on special teams. And, you know, we can't go wrong with this hire. I mean, it's going to be better than anything we've had in, in a long time. Um, of course, we need the personnel to be there, but I feel like his coaching is, is going to make us, you know, just – a lot better even if he does the minimum it'll be better than what we've had over the last decade plus 
Exactly. Like, everyone's been talking about his special teams rankings from where he's been. And 20 years of NFL special teams coaching experience, by the way. But it's like, he's, you know, he's middle of the pack. But special teams is such a hard thing to quantify. You have to use kind of like these advanced metrics like DVOA and PFF grades. But it's a lot of it's driven by opportunity. Like, how many kickoff touchbacks do you have? How many kickoffs go out of the end zone versus how many do you actually have a chance to return? So those metrics kind of aren't the most trustworthy things in the world. But the fact that he's middle of the pack, that's fine by me because like we've said, Bron, just put 11 guys on the field to defend the game-winning field goal. That's that's all we really need. And uh, Bisaccia, like you said, definitely more beloved than Joe Judge <laughs> because uh, Joe Judge, not the prettiest of exits out of his way in, from New York. And how often do you see a coach get fired, a head coach get fired, and the special teams coordinator get promoted? That's not that common. I mean, there's a f- couple special teams, uh, there's a couple head coaches with special teams backgrounds like Joe Judge and uh, notably John Harbaugh, but uh, it's not too often. Usually it's the offense coordinator who gets promoted automatically or maybe the defensive coordinator. So special teams coordinator getting promoted when uh, John Gruden got fired, I feel like that means something. And like you said, the Raiders players, they all loved him and they wanted him to stick around. So just a great hire from uh, from Green Bay. And he has experience with um, with Joe Barry. They coached together in Tampa, I believe. So uh, that staff was obviously coaching the Pro Bowl over this weekend. They got a chance to uh, visit with him face-to-face, I imagine, because he was the coach of the Raiders, like I said. So uh, it's great hire from Green Bay, and hopefully he can at least get this get this unit back to competent, which we haven't seen. And as, as long as I've been a fan, I've never seen a special teams unit just be competent. So that's all you can hope for, right? Yeah, Griff, there really isn't much more you can ask for, especially um, with what we've had. To be able to win as many games, you know, 13 games in three years, back-to-back-to-back, that is tough to do, especially with the kind of special teams play that we're putting out there on a consistent basis. So when you look at at that, um, imagine what we can do if we maybe just, you know, control field position a little better, uh, make those those blocks on key kicks and punts that won't cost us to end the game. I mean, like like we mentioned a million times, and we're going to keep mentioning it throughout this offseason. Special teams is the main contributor to why we lost that football game against the 49ers in Lambeau because we had two blocked kicks. And with Rich Basaccia, you look at him, his last five seasons of special teams units, there was zero blocked kicks or punts. And we had two in the final playoff game under Mo Drayton. You cannot get much worse than that. And with Rich Basaccia, his units, you can't get much better than not allowing a blocked punt or kick. Um, over the course of those five seasons. So you have to be excited about that aspect of everything, and, and you're looking to just get that mistake-free football, um, the complementary football of, of having that special teams unit play up or close to the level uh, of the offense and defense, and, and that's what's going to make us the best team in football, and it gives us a great chance to do that. I have to mention that you brought up the 49ers game. Like a couple weeks ago, we posted that clip from the podcast where we said that the the special teams was the reason we lost that game. I'm just going to say this because I, I feel like I have to, and I didn't want to respond to every single comment from that video, so I'm just going to say it here. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers big contributor but special teams everyone deserves a piece of the blame pie but the special teams man griff uh, even i deserve some of the blame i deserve some of the blame us as fans deserve some of the blame the fans who weren't in the building (laughs) had nothing to do with it well did we jinx them i think i may i may take some blame for uh posting about california team's record in green bay in january oh gosh the jinx (laughs) here we go folks actually yeah i never took accountability for that so uh this is me doing that i apologize for that but 
Uh, we got other stuff to talk about on this podcast. Rich Bisaccia could not be happier. Thank God he's in Green Bay. But moving on, let's let's talk about the defense here, Bron, because the defense early on in the season for a lot of stretches in the season, we thought that this was a truly elite defense, which we've thought so many times for four or five week stretches uh, in recent years in Green Bay. But ultimately, it proved to be middle of the pack. So let's go position by position here. Uh, lots of injuries on the defense, lots of injuries on all sides of the ball, but the defense, notably Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith, did not play for pretty much the entire season. But outside of that, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas, Chandon Sullivan, they got some valuable reps. And then we, we ha- finally get the Rashawn Gary breakout season in his third year. So those injuries uh, in, a, in a season that didn't end in a championship, the silver lining there is that those guys did get to get their reps, and they are ultimately better players. So let's go position by position, starting with the cornerbacks. Why don't we, Bron? Uh, Eric Stokes. What do you have to say about him? Because he made the uh, the NFL's All Rookie Team. He had a pretty solid season, I'd say. He impressed me. No one expected him to be starting, and he started every single game. Or I don't think he started every single game, but after Jair got hurt, he was pretty much the go-to guy there. So Eric Stokes, not a great season. Definitely had his lumps, but. I'd say he impressed me. Yeah, I think for a rookie corner, because it's always tough, right, especially with the rookie guys in the back end, you have to have the short memory. You have to have – you got to be quick. You got to be able to diagnose what the receiver is doing on a a play and also adapt to the play call. Um, It's tough. It is one of the tougher positions, obviously, because offense wins in this league a lot of the time, the majority for sure. And to be able to just play well enough to make those big breakups when it matters – uh, make a big play in the run game, you know, just do the right thing and, and show your responsibilities. Um, he did a lot of that, I feel like. And the one thing that we went back to a lot, Griff, was the fact that he was very just not aware of the ball in the air a lot of the times where he had opportunities to pick it off. And then there was also times where he dropped the ball right in his hands for a pick. That's the one thing that he's got to work on. Everything else, I think, will come with experience. You saw Jair blossom into that. It really reminds me of, of Jair's rookie season because Jair, after a couple of years, blossomed into a superstar, and we all felt that was coming in his third year, and it did. Stokes feels like he's, he's close to what Jair was, and uh, just the, based on the instincts and the playmaking that he had in his rookie season, there were some big plays that he had that looked like he could be a special player. And uh, moving forward, I think the standard will be that he will improve each season. Um, and, and I think that a good, where, a good place to start would be trying to focus on uh, getting the ball when it's thrown to him and taking advantage of those, of those turnover opportunities that really are, are game changers, of course. And, and those are the type of plays that get you paid in this league. Um, and, and he's going to make those, I think, moving forward. That was obviously very clearly his biggest flaw all season long, and it's so frustrating because it just never it never fixed itself. Usually with things that are so small like that, you, you can find guys that they kind of turn it around, but it it stayed consistent with Stokes the entire season, not being able to find the ball. But he honestly had pretty good statistics. He allowed a passer rating of 78.8 all season long, and uh, he only gave up four touchdowns. Not terrible for a rookie. Only had one interception, but nine pass breakups is the number. I don't know how many of those nine pass breakups were uh, dropped interceptions, but I'm guessing quite a few. And uh, quarterbacks only completed 51% of his other passes when targeting Stokes, so 
pretty solid season from him. Uh, you know, when think back to when we drafted him in the first round, it a lot of guys were hoping for Asante Samuel Jr. and uh, different players at the cornerback position, not really looking for Eric Stokes. But uh, the Packers, the Packers front office, sometimes they make those decisions and they just know what they what they see in a guy. And it, I kind of thought that he had a Jair esque rookie season as well, all season long, because he had his lumps, but the flashes were so flashy and he's so sticky in coverage, even the completions when he doesn't turn his head around it's like wow he is right there if he's just able to know where the ball is he's probably going to make a big play there so definitely definitely impressed by Eric Stokes rookie season yeah Griffin he's going to be the staple really moving forward next to Jair as is it's going to be that two-man uh that two-man core in the cornerback room that gets me excited another guy that yeah right and and that's just having those two young guys as the stars of that of that defensive back end the, the future looks so bright there for us and, you know, that's really not the end of it because we've got a guy who really turned into a superstar after not being one uh, throughout the beginning of his career. He has really blossomed in Green Bay, but he is a free agent, and, and it's a guy that I think we both obviously want to keep around. And, of course, that's Rasul Douglas, who had such a phenomenal uh, year for Green Bay when he came in um, and just showed what he could do right away, his veteran instincts, the stuff he does not only on the field but off the field. He's a leader. He's always in the film room. Matt LaFleur talked about how he was the last guy out, you know, first guy in type mentality, and he just did so much work. And he had plays where he would diagnose what was coming from the offense and take his opportunity to try and jump and get a pick, and he would do that, and he did it a lot. He was breaking up passes, getting picks, not only just picks, but pick sixes. And he's doing it against great quarterbacks. And his veteran presence is, is so felt, and it's, it's so important. And he wants to be a Packer. We all want him to be a Packer, and I think it's, it's hugely important to our team that he remains in Green Bay. Um, I really don't care what they pay him, but if he can take less, that'd be great, I'm sure, for them. But I would say, you know, pay this guy whatever it takes on a, another one-year deal to keep him in Green Bay and keep him rolling with the secondary that's, like we said, Griff, it, it's going to be at full strength next year, and it's going to turn our defense into, into a whole different animal. Um, and I'm excited for that, so I think... And I'm sure you'll kind of add on to this, but I think Rasul should absolutely be a Packer next season. If they're able to keep him around, that is the third corner that gives us three just really, really good cornerbacks. And we saw the dime defense group against the 49ers. I hate talking about that game, but God, that that defense was so good. And defending guys like Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo Samuel, and obviously Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is playing uh, quarterback, so (laughs) the ceiling is pretty low for that offense. But the fact that they were able to hold them in check as well as they did, I, that just you got to keep Rasul around, right? Because he was such a difference maker for this defense, and he made so many big plays. He had the lowest passer rating allowed among all cornerbacks in the NFL, and uh, reception percentage was just fifty one point six percent allowed. So him and Stokes just really, really impressive seasons. What they like? Think back, Ron. We we signed Rasul Douglas the same day that uh, Stephon Gilmore got traded to the the Carolina Panthers. Think about how depressing that signing was. Everyone, I mean, you can go back to both of our posts on our page. Everyone was so depressed about that. Who would have thought that he turned into this marquee player who we're <laughs> campaigning to re-sign? It's really remarkable, Griff, what he's done. Uh, it's it's just so weird how he just came in off the Cardinals, like everybody talks about this, the Cardinals practice squad, he came off that unit, we signed him, and then he gets the game-winning pick against them, it's like the weirdest thing, and he then just turned into this 
ultra-confident superstar alpha in the secondary, like we have in Jair, who's obviously going to be a staple for us, we talked about. And I think Rasul can be that same thing. Those three guys, it doesn't matter who's behind them because those three guys are going to be able to show up and show out every week. And that is going to make it so tough on quarterbacks because Rasul is a legit lockdown corner and a ball hawk. He's everything you want. The way he played this season is absolutely everything you want in a cornerback. Jair is never going to let you catch a pass. And Eric Stokes has the makeup speed where if you do catch a pass on him, you're not getting far. And he's able to really, while the ball is in the air, catch up to the receiver and make a play on the ball. These guys are so talented. And now we've got three of these guys hopefully going into next season. Rasul, he's got to come back. But uh, I'm excited about that, that trio that we've got there for sure. And then Griff, let's talk about a guy who's, it's going to be interesting because he's got a cap hit that would be, it would be a negative impact on our team to cut him. And it might be, it would probably be more efficient to keep him around and extend his deal potentially. And that's Kevin King, believe it or not, Griff. I don't know what we should, look, he's not great, but he showed a couple things when he was playing in different spots at the end of the year that you, you didn't notice him, and, and that's the good thing because when you're noticing Kevin King, it's it, a lot of the times it's for the wrong reason, as we all know. But he was on the field for about the last four or five weeks, and he wasn't making mistakes when he was in the game. And look, I, we all know how inconsistent he is, but he, you know, the money-wise making sense of it, it, it makes sense to possibly keep him around. Uh, although, like we've talked about a million times, he certainly has his ups and downs, Griff. Yeah, Kevin King has got a really interesting contract where he's he's got some voidable years. So, like if if he's not on the team next year, he's gonna be it's gonna be a three million dollar cap hit. So it does make sense to kind of extend him, which is gonna get us a bunch of Instagram comments about how stupid Brian Gutekunst is. But uh, it, it it may make sense to extend him. But I mean, Joe Barry was getting really interested. In, interesting in his deployment of Kevin King as the season went on, especially in the 49ers game when all the corners were healthy. He was playing strong safety a lot. He had 48 snaps this season in the box, only 44 at slot cornerback. So uh, Joe Barry kind of find a little bit of a niche for, for Kevin King. And if they want to keep him around, which it looks like it may be financially wise to keep him around, then I have no problem with him being that depth player, especially when we go with the dime package, man. That dime package was looking so nice with Devondre Manning the manning the middle of the field with Kevin King. <laughs> Feels weird to say that, but uh, that was such a special unit, and it looks so good against the 49ers that, yeah, sure, I, I'm I'm optimistic for what he can bring to the table. As long as he's not starting at outside corner again, I mean, I have no complaints with Kev. I feel bad for Kev. I really do. I'm rooting for him. Well, Griff, yeah, I mean, okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it just, it sucks when he's these guys guy. become like the villain of the entire fan base. You know. Like Brandon yeah. Bostic. Well, of course. I mean, I feel bad. You, you know? know, you made you kind of he made his own bet on that one, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he did. You know, it's but, it's like, about how you play, right, Griff? Yeah, it's about how yeah. you play. But uh, at the the I went to the Bears game this season, week fourteen, and I was they were doing defensive intros, and I was so worried that they were going to announce Kevin King. They didn't, but I just knew if they did, it would just would have been so many boos. And I would have felt so bad, and it would have been so awkward. But thank God he wasn't starting at that point. Okay, moving on. Shannon Sullivan, Griff. So let's talk about how he's really been our slot corner from for a long time now. I mean, he was there. He was our slot corner under Mike Pettin, and and he's been around for a while. A former undrafted uh, player coming out, and look, he's been good enough at times. But the guys we have now, I mean, we do have Shamar John Charles in in the waiting. 
Um, he played a lot of special teams this year. Who knows if he'll have to play more corner. But he'd have to be, I would have to say, Griff, he's probably, I don't know if it's insulting to call him a minimum guy, but what can they pay him that would make sense? He doesn't bring anything insanely, you know, game-changing to the table. He's a good slot corner for us. Like, it definitely wouldn't hurt to have him, but I'm not sure what they do. Um, It'd have to be something small because, look, they've got a lot of guys that they need to bring back, and they've got guys that need to get paid. Um, Rasul being one of those guys, like if they're going to invest in Rasul a little bit more because of how well he played, I would be more confident having, like if, if they just found a way to mix it up with having Rasul, Stokes, and Jair, those three guys, I mean, they're going to be on the field the majority of the time if you if you can, right? Like what are they going to do then with Sullivan? Um, he's our slot guy, but he, there's there's about three or four guys better than him on, in the, on that position, you know? So it's going to be interesting whether they bring him back or not. He's 26 years old. Um, I don't know, Griff. What do you think? Because I'm really not sure if they should bring him back or not, especially if they have to re-up his deal. Yeah, he's kind of in a weird spot, right, where he's like, he's not good enough to be a starter on this team, but he's he's also too good to be on the bench on this team. And being a free agent, that's probably going to lead to him being out the door. And And he tweeted... I think it was last week he tweeted that uh, when you're talking about slot cornerbacks, don't forget his name. But <laughs> I don't know, Chandon. I don't know if you're that good. But, you know, he's pretty good. He's been a reliable slot corner for us. At times, he's had a glaring, a, a big target on his back. But you're right, Griff. A- he was one of the guys in the NFC Championship game. Uh, not this past. Look, well, we didn't make it this one. But the, the NFC Championship game, Tom Brady, Bucks. Brady really went after Sullivan and King, Sullivan being the undrafted guy that he's never been that talented, but he's just been pretty serviceable. And then when it when it comes to a guy like Brady who reads defenses like the back of his hand and the receiver talent that they had in, in Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, whoever else, that became a problem because he was clearly outmatched. And the same thing goes for Kevin King, of course. And it's just that was the issue. And can we afford to have him on the team playing significant snaps moving forward? That's the question, and, and that's that's also – there's probably a, a division based on where Sullivan feels like he is in terms of being an elite. Maybe he thinks he's one of the top slot guys. There's really not many good slot corners in this league, and he's a decent one. He might want a certain number, uh, and he might feel like that he can get it somewhere better, uh, some, a, a, a different team really, not a better team obviously. But you know, he probably find, thinks he can find something better elsewhere. So that, I think the divide in, in the money that they'll, they'll probably have – is going to lead to him going in a different direction. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, he does have some continuity on this team. He's been here for a long time. He is very close friends with Rasul Douglas. They played together in Philly. So I could see him maybe coming back on a short, short-term short deal for uh, less money than he would get on the open market. But uh, just I feel like we he's too good to be a depth player, and we have too much young depth for him to be a depth player making decent money. So uh, I would not be too upset if he was out the door. Okay, Griffin, we'll quickly hit on Shamar John Charles, who obviously rookie, um, came in, played some special teams, didn't play a ton of, obviously, scrimmage snaps on defense. But um, he's a guy that we're going to need to see develop a little bit. They liked him uh, a lot in the draft. Obviously, we're able to get him. Uh, so I don't know. There's not much to say because he didn't do too much this year in terms of, like we said, from scrimmage. Um, but he's a guy that you'd like to see develop and maybe become one of those those slot type guys. He's kind. Of, he's always been a slot corner. He was that. He was in college as well. Small school guy, but played really well. 
Um, I think he led. So he had some like really high number of picks that was impressive to a lot of teams, and uh, so the Packers were able to get him. They they hope he can develop, and he could be playing in that Chandon Sullivan role um, if Chandon were to go elsewhere. Yeah, he's a young toolsy guy. Did not play a lot, so I, I'm not really gonna have like a, the strongest take. But I will tell you that he was targeted seven times and gave up seven receptions. Uh, it kind of means nothing, but he's a toolsy guy. If they can let him continue to develop, it's going to be interesting in training camp. We have so many DBs, so many young DBs who are, it's going to be fun to see this upcoming year. And speaking of young DBs, Griff, let's move on to the safeties and talk about Darnell Savage, who really had an up and down year. Um, but we love his skill set, right, Griff? I think you and I both agree that he's got some of the most rangy, you know, he's just such a good sideline to sideline player. His speed, his eyes. If he's utilized correctly, which I feel like I don't think it was a coaching issue this year, um, he just needs to find his rhythm again. He's he's so effective against you know he could stop the run. He moves sideline to sideline. He could cover guys too. I mean he was a slot corner a lot in college. Uh, he could play really well. I feel like he has the skill set to be an elite safety in this league. This past season, just he wasn't. He made some plays, but he just was not like that consistent guy that you need who's going to be doing so much and having so many responsibilities, really going to be all over the field. That's what we need with Savage. And, you know, like even if he's just sitting in, you know, all the way deep, um, they needed him to play better this year. And, and hopefully he's a guy that can continue to develop as well because he only, he's only in his third year. Uh, so he's going into his fourth, I believe, now. Um, and, and that'll put us right in the position we need. If, if he can develop a little bit better, um, we just need him to kind of bounce back a little. Um but we love his skill set. I, I don't think he should be going anywhere, but um, he's a guy we love watching when he's playing well. He is really fun to watch, and he has so many great athletic uh, traits, but he's just he's so streaky at times. And it's like he's so hot, and then he's really cold. And when he looks really good, he looks so good, and you think he can be one of the best players in the NFL. But then other times it's like, God, man, what what are you doing out there? But I feel like people do forget that he is still really young. Not really young, but he just completed his third year, so maybe uh, in a, in his fourth season next year, maybe he can uh, continue to blossom and continue to develop. That's what we're all hoping for. He definitely has a problem uh, defending the ball, or, or playing the ball, excuse me, similar to Eric Stokes. Two plays come to mind. One in the NFC Championship game against the Bucks last year. That played to Chris Godwin on third down. That kind of, you know... <laughs> that would have helped the momentum. Now I'm going back two years in the playoff losses. I'm never going to get over these. And then uh, obviously the the Jamar Chase touchdown against the Bengals week five of this year. Like man, just like just play the ball better, man. He's got so much upside and he looks so good at times. But then like just sometimes the the easy plays just aren't there to be made. And also this season another really low point was uh, the week fifteen game against Baltimore when Mark Andrews absolutely destroyed him for the entire first half. <laughs> That got really bad, man. And when you have a safety who's not able to man up on tight ends, uh, it's it's kind of a weakness there. But if we can just use him, uh, Joe Barry, if he can just get him to do the things that he's good at, which is wide range, zone coverage, be the free safety, the Earl Thomas role, then uh, that's definitely where he's be- where he's at his best. When you put him like when you have to rely on him to make plays and cover guys one-on-one, he's, he's just not that type of player yet. Griff, I think the Earl Thomas comparison is, is it's pretty great. Like he's got that hard hitting ability. He's, he's physical. Like he can do the right things. He's, he can make the tackles. Like the biggest issue with bad defenses in this league or, or bad coaches is that they are very stubborn with what they want 
in, in their scheme and aren't adaptable to what a player can do and trying to utilize the player the best way that they can, whatever suits them best. Some guys are, like Darnell, he's a fast player who relies on instincts, timing, and, and just being in the right position. That's when he makes the plays. He, he's very good in the run game when he's put in the position. But when he has to kind of make those adjustments on his own, sometimes he can't make those adjustments. Or if he's matched up with a guy who's bigger, who's stronger, like Mark Andrews, who, how he, who he had so much trouble with, that's not a position that you expect him to succeed in. He, the, the biggest problem with coaching, especially on defense, is when guys are put in position to fail by not best utilizing their skill sets. And one thing that Joe Barry can certainly do better with is putting Darnell in positions to utilize his skill sets, which we've talked about, the speed, the eyes, the instincts. Those things are where he's suited best and, and he has the most success. And if he can come out next year and, and kind of find what works for him again um, in this scheme that really it is still new. Like he he's now he's still a young player in the NFL. He's only known one scheme, which is Mike Pettin. Now he's got this one under his belt. They still need to find the right the right place for him in this defense, and and I think they will. That's one thing that they'll probably look at from within on, in the defensive staff and say that look, we need this guy um, because he's so talented. We need to put him in better positions to succeed because it's going to elevate our defense even more. Moving on along the safety position, Adrian Amos. He is one of my favorite players. <laughs> one of the most boring players on the Packers, but also one of my most favorite players because he is so reliable week in and week out. And he's really just that Why guy is he in the boring? secondary. Well, he does, he's not like a what huge playmaker. Boring, he, he's not like a huge playmaker. You just rely on him to do his job. He does his job consistently. And when he gets the interceptions, it's always so so exciting when Famous Amos gets those pickies. But, uh, you know, he's just so you know reliable. What, I, maybe Flashy's probably I, – I wouldn't call him boring. I would say maybe he's just not as flashy because he does a lot of the dirty work, right? I feel I like that is uh, synom- synonymous with boring. Well, let's not get into synonyms, Griff. You know I'll win that battle, but uh, especially <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you would beat me in the grammar, the grammar race. <laughs> Go ahead, Griff. Look, Amos is—he does the dirty work, and that's the kind of thing that we love about him, and and he's so effective at that. Yeah, and uh, that's really what we signed him to do. And every, remember, uh, flashback to 2019, that free agent period when Bears fans thought that Haha was a better signing than Amos because uh, they're just so bitter. But uh, we signed Amos to be this player. Just he's so reliable. He's gonna make the tackles. He's gonna be in the right spot, and he's gonna get a few interceptions. He had a lot of interceptions this season, actually. He had three interceptions, including the playoffs. So that's a that's a pretty. <laughs> that's not a lot, but it's a pretty good number for a safety. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy with what he's contributed to the team, and I feel like he's gotten better each year that he's been in Green Bay. Yeah, he has, Griff. He's, he was a good player in, in, with the Bears, and he was really under the radar in a lot of ways. But when, he's, when he came to Green Bay and he played like he did, and uh, he's continued to be that elite safety. Like, he is now re- recognized as a truly elite safety in this league, and it's great to have one like him who I think he's a perfect complement to Darnell because they both do a lot of the same things. Like they are, They're able to do a lot of the same things, but their skill sets are so different. Amos has much more size. He's, he's almost built like a running back, while Darnell is kind of built like a little bit more like a wide receiver type player if you were going to compare them based on, you know, Amos can, can run, but he doesn't have the speed of Darnell. Amos is a hitter. Darnell is also a hitter, but Amos has the strength and the power to really blast guys. But they both are so effective when they're playing at their best. And that duo is going to be a huge part of this team moving forward. Um, 
And it's going to be a part of that dynamic back end that we have with those. We talked about the three corners. Those two safeties are as big a part of it as anything else. And having those five guys manning the secondary, it's one of the more elite groups, one of the best. When they're all playing at an elite level, which they usually are, you know, when if we get that if we get to that point again next season, we may have we may very well have the best secondary in football, and and that's not a joke, and and that's something that can, they can really build on as they as they hope to really improve this defense going into 2022. That's so true, man. Like when <laughs> I'm gonna keep bringing up the, that performance in the 49ers game. Hopefully, they're gonna ride on that into the offseason and into next season, knowing how well they played in that game. Because when they were all healthy and when they're all on the field and they're all doing their job, they were locked down, dude. And this can, it, on paper, it's one of the best secondary units in the NFL. And on the field, it looked like it as well. So, assuming we're able to keep Rasul, which hopefully we're able to find a way, we can get a full season of of that performance. Let's talk about the two backup safeties. You know, they haven't had great depth there, but Vernon Scott's a guy who was injured a lot of this year. Um, but uh, Henry Black is the other, Griff. Uh, there's really not much to say about either of those guys. They've just been, I think Black played a little more this year for sure, um, and he showed that he can make a difference in some ways, but they probably need to get better there. I would say that it'd be nice to have a veteran presence behind Amos and Savage just for the sake of, you know, whether that's Kevin King, if he was to maybe transition into the safety role, or whether it's another guy. Just having a veteran that can play if a guy like Amos or, or Savage gets hurt, because really it was Henry Black uh, who would be just stepping in for either of those guys. And he is an undrafted guy. They love having the undrafted guys on the roster, but that's not always good enough. So we'll have to see um, what they do that at that position. Maybe they draft a guy early and to help, but anything that is a little, whether it's a little more talent or a little more experience behind Amos and Savage, I think it would be best if, if they could acquire someone there. It would be helpful. Henry Black, you know, he impressed a lot of us at times, but overall, he was just a, you know, a replacement level player. And uh, that's it's nice to have as a depth piece, but when someone goes down, I don't know if we're completely confident in him coming in and playing reliable snaps. But uh, yeah, Kevin King playing safety, maybe that could happen. That that could be really interesting because he's got uh, he's got some <laughs> he's got some traits to make it in the NFL. He's just not that good at playing man coverage, so maybe at safety he could blossom there. But uh, I don't know. Maybe they bring in Kentrell Bryce, Braun. Would you like a reunion with Kentrell Bryce? I, I'm sure he's not busy. <laughs> wow. That comment at the end there was pretty, woo. Well, I'm, I literally, I'm sure he's not busy. My it's because I don't know. I literally don't know, but I'm assuming that he's, you know, I, I don't think he's in the NFL anymore. Do you? Is he a guy you really want, or are you just being facetious? No, I'm just being pretty funny there. Maybe Ibrahim Campbell. Oh, boy. How about Raven Green? <laughs> Oh, Raven Green, man. The ultimate what-if player. He just kept getting injured. Yeah, he did. Wow. All right, let's move on because the more we talk about these players that didn't work out as we sit here Super Bowl-less, uh, <laughs> does not feel good. Okay, Griff, let's, let's move into the interior part of our defense. Let's talk about those inside linebackers. And who other than the AP All-Pro, first-timer, first year in Green Bay, the one, the only, the best middle linebacker in football, Devondre Campbell. Who else to start with then? Our, maybe our best defensive player from this past season. Uh, how about him, man? We need him back bad. I think he's probably the biggest priority apart from Devontae Adams in terms of free agents. And uh, You look at him, the body of work he put on the field, his athleticism, his speed, his size, his strength, and his football IQ all balled into one. You have the best middle linebacker in football who just won his first All-Pro, and, and he's a guy we need to bring back, Griff. I, I really don't care what it takes because 
it's not my money, and I really don't care how much it costs because he's a valuable player to this defense, and it showed his play, his presence and his play showed how valuable middle linebacker play is when it's elite. It can turn your defense from a good one into a great one, and I feel like he showed that all throughout the year. And I think hopefully the Packers understand that, recognize it, and, and give him the money that he really earned this year by making all pro on, on a close to a minimum salary. Yeah, the Packers, they've been known for so long for really not valuing that position, really not spending any capital at that position. And that didn't change in this season either because they, they signed him off the street in free agency. Uh, he was kind of an afterthought. Drafted in 2016, they signed him for for peanuts, and he turns out to be the best player on the field on defense and uh, a first-team All-Pro. So, uh, And he kind of was a major reason for a lot of their defensive success. The only problem is is that I think he deserves a lot of money. And I don't know if Green Bay is going to be willing to give him a lot of money because, like I said, they really just don't value that position a lot. Historically, they really don't. Maybe this season changed their minds knowing what a player like Campbell can do and knowing how good he was. And it, everyone loves him, man. Everyone in that locker room loves him. I love him. He's such a likable guy, and he's just so good too. on the field that I, I would be willing to give him a massive deal, but he definitely deserves it. So hopefully he's willing to stick around because uh, he was such an important factor for for the team this year. Griff, you know what, though? I, I think that he recognizes that Green Bay gave him the chance, gave him that the opportunity to showcase himself as with the ability to be the man in the middle of the defense, the guy. He really wanted that, and I think he showed that, and he now knows that Green Bay gave him that chance. I think he's going to want to stay because if he goes to another team, he risks losing out on a lot more money than he would be probably likely to gain if he were to stay in Green Bay, even on a lower salary, he risks going to another team and maybe not being able to play in the role that he had so much success in in Green Bay and then becoming an afterthought or falling out of favor um, in the NFL because he is not in that alpha male role that he is so excellent at and excelled at all, all year long. So I think he understands that he's in a great place. The money just, of course, the money always has to be right, but I, I know for a fact that he certainly would rather be in Green Bay than anywhere else. Um, and that's a great thing. That's the same thing with Rasul. He said he was going to come and he was going to play, and he wants to stay in Green Bay, and he'll take not much more than the minimum, he said. His words, you know, those are his words. I think Devondre is the guy as well who would – it's possible that he'd be open to something similar um, just based on the fact that we can win a championship here, and, and we know that he needs to be a huge part of that. Um, and him being here gives us the best chance to win the Super Bowl, and he's such a valuable superstar to this defense – I think it's imperative that we bring him back. Yeah, he. You're right about that. He was made the guy in Green Bay. He was given a thousand, over a thousand snaps a season. He hadn't seen that number since 2017 in Atlanta. He was kind of like a player on his way out of the league. It just it seemed like Green Bay was going to be one of his final pit stops, and he ends up turning his entire career around. And hopefully, they can keep him around because, like I said, just love the guy. He's been one of my favorite players this season, so hopefully he can continue to be a, a franchise pillar. You're right, Griffin. Behind him, not much, but Chris Barnes is the guy you point to as the number two. Um, he was undrafted two years ago, and he's came in and played really inconsistent, but he has made some of those bigger plays. Um, big hitter. He can make plays in the run game. Not as good in the passing game, but he can make plays at times. I'm sure he'll be on the roster next year. But the question does remain whether he will be the number two or if Green Bay drafts somebody. 
They could obviously get better behind Devondre, but the question is, of course, where do they choose to go? Because it's not going to be Ty Summers. They drafted Isaiah McDuffie. These are all guys we'll talk a little bit about, but it comes down to really whether they add somebody or if, if, if it continues to be Chris Barnes in the mix. Chris Barnes really reminds me of the type of Packers linebacker that we've had for so many years. Like if Devondre wasn't here this season, Chris Barnes probably would have been the starter. And he, he, that's like such a Packers linebacker, isn't it? Like that's like the Antonio Morrison type of linebacker that we, we love in Green Bay, the, the stopgap role at linebacker. Uh, he's like just, you know, he makes the plays, he's reliable enough, but he's he's not very good, and he gives up a lot of plays that uh, a different linebacker probably doesn't give up. So you wouldn't love, you don't love for him to be on the field as often as he is, but at the same time, he's not the worst thing in the world. And in a season where, like, we're going into an offseason where we really don't have a lot of a lot of positional weaknesses, linebacker, I feel like, is one of them, though, that the Packers may want to target pretty early in the draft. Yeah, Griff, Chris Barnes, he's a exclusive rights guy, so he'll, like we talked about, he'll probably be back. I mean, there's not many scenarios in which they don't pick up that cheap labor, but um, he's going to, like I said, the question is whether he's going to remain as that guy that they rely on a lot or if they look to improve there. And I think the draft is certainly an opportunity if they wanted to go within the first four rounds, add a difference maker. Um, it would certainly help them. I mean, the last time they did that was Oren Burks. They missed on that pick. I liked it at the time because of the versatility that he had. We'll talk about him now. Him coming out, he had played safety, inside linebacker, and outside linebacker. Uh, at his school at the time, and and I thought it was great to have a guy who had played some legitimate snaps in the secondary before. I love the idea of having a guy who's played significant snaps in the secondary before with that kind of speed playing in the middle of the field to help against the pass because, as we talk about all the time, Griff, it's a passing league, and I feel like these middle linebackers need to be designed to help stop the passing game and just be able to do the bare minimum in the running game. Um, so the way we look at it is I, I would not be surprised if they went after a guy like that again, hopefully just hit on it this time, and, and that would be a better player because Oren Burks is an unrestricted free agent, and I, I doubt he gets brought back just because he did nothing for us from scrimmage, and his special teams work was not good enough to consider being to be considered as a guy that we would use as we revamp our special teams. So um, I, I just think he'll, he'll, we'll probably move on from him and look to possibly add another guy at that position, maybe even in the draft. Yeah, Oren posted something on Twitter that kind of alluded to him believing that his time is kind of over in Green Bay. So, like you said, wouldn't really be shocked if he's on the way out. He's pretty. He's one of the one of the really coulda, shoulda, woulda been players in recent years where a third-round pick out of Vanderbilt, safety-turned-linebacker, Really had high hopes for him, but he just never, never turned into like a an above average player. But he, you know, he was like just a replacement level player, like a lot of these guys. And on teams, he really wasn't that good either. So I, I don't think they're really losing anything in Oren Burks. And Isaiah McDuffie's the other guy in that linebacker room that really, you know, didn't offer much for us from scrimmage. Played a little bit um, on special teams, but. He's a guy that they'll probably rely on to step up a little bit more and, and might be seen from scrimmage a little bit. Um, and then the other guy, Ty Summers, he's, of course, Isaiah McDuffie was the draft pick, so he'll be around. Ty Summers, he's on the books, but I could see them cutting loose, honestly, just because he was he's supposed to be one of those special teams guys, and he's been bad from scrimmage. I love Ty Summers. You know, I, I thought the pick was good. He showed a lot in his first rookie preseason. 
he misses a lot of tackles. He's just missed assignments. He's, it's just, I, I think it's got to be over. They need to retool the back end, Griff. We talked about this last week. The back end of their roster has to be retooled, revamped, and they've got to find replacements. And I think getting, you know, cutting loose guys like Summers, like like Oren Burks, is going to help them tremendously. Maybe get some faster guys there. A little less run thumping and a little more pass coverage in these guys, I think, would be a great way to make this defense faster. You know, we have a lot of physicality up front. Devondre brings that. Barnes brings that. We could use guys that a little more safety type guys in in the linebacker spot that would be a little bit more successful against the pass. As as we always know, Griff, the, the passing in this league is, is more and more each and every year uh, the main part of what offense is becoming in the NFL. And, and like I said, I think it would just be more suitable to get a guy um, who fits that kind of mold as opposed to these guys we've had for a while. Yeah, like a, a higher-end Oren Burks player or a, a version of Oren Burks that turns out to be really good. Uh, Isaiah Simmons was a draft crush of mine a couple years ago in 2020. I would have absolutely loved for him to be in Green Bay or a player like him to be in Green Bay. Jeremy but, Chin, Griff. Jeremy, Jeremy Chin, Chin was one of the guys yeah. I really wanted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Those types uh, of players I think would be so suitable for this type of defense that we have. Even if it was to go, not even that to that level because those guys are, are really good players. If we just get a guy that's a little more successful and can actually play from scrimmage without allowing plays left and right, I think that would be just another boon to the defense that could help us in a big way. Like if Darnell was just built a little bit bigger, like that kind of skill set at linebacker would be would be so OP. But this isn't Madden, sadly. So uh, we're just gonna have to keep dreaming on that, bro. Okay, Griff. With that, let's talk about the outside linebackers, and and there's that's one of our better groups throughout the whole team because we've got superstar type players across the board there and let's start with Zadarius because his future is certainly in question I I feel like look no one wants him to go anywhere of course I'm sure he wants to remain in Green Bay um I I hope they just extend his contract and push the money out that's my hope I feel like it's possible everybody's assuming he'll get cut just like they assumed Aaron Jones was gone just like they assumed Dean Lowry would get cut last year Everybody's assuming Z's on the outs, but I just don't know. I don't think that's... Green Bay is not in the business of cutting good players. Right, Griff? We know that. Why would they cut Zadarius Smith? I just don't see it happening. So in my opinion, I'm expecting him to be back next year, whether it's on a a new contract or whatever the case may be. I am expecting him to be a Packer next year, and that's probably an unpopular opinion from a lot of the, quote, journalists that you see. But uh, I, I expect him to be in Green Bay, barring something unforeseen from my point of view. I can't believe you didn't mention Preston Smith, the other Smith brother who you were right about last year. Remember that? Everyone, including myself, thought he was That gone. was the one. Then, uh, you know what? Yeah, he's That's the one. That's the one, Griff. You're right. Yeah. He's the one that everybody was like, oh, he's cut. And I said, hold on, folks. Zadarius is a really, really good player. And we saw what kind of player he is in the Saturday Night loss to the 49ers. Saturday he, night loss. How about this? His first, awful, his, his first <laughs> play of the game, when he entered that football game, he just used all his might, all his anger, and just all that pent-up energy from missing all those weeks from week one to week 20 or whatever, 16, 17, 19, I don't even know. But whatever week <clears> it was, he just used all that energy balled up from the rehab, the surgery, the, the controversy and just had the best pass rush of his career and took down Jimmy Garoppolo in what was the biggest play of that defensive drive. And it felt like our game-winning play right there. But in, Yeah, the alas, game ended on that play. But, <laughs> yeah. That was when everybody said, if Green Bay scores, it's over. 
and then yep. it didn't happen. Uh, let's stop talking about that because that game's going to haunt me like for forever. Did. It will, and it's haunting me to this day. And I think I might cry right now. And let's go to a break, folks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is the point. Zadarius, he didn't have that bad season. He was just hurt. He showed what he can do. Why would Green Bay move on from that? I think he'll be around at a reduced rate for this year with money pushed into the next couple of years. I think he's extended. He remains a Packer. And we'll talk about Preston Smith next. I agree with you. I hope that happens because I love ZZ. He's a fan favorite, and he's a really, really good player, and he's one of the best pass rushers in the league when he's healthy. But uh, it's the only thing is that the fact that he posted the thank you, Green Bay, with the collection of images over his entire career in Green Bay. That makes me think that they've kind of come to an agreement, but maybe they go back on that agreement, or maybe he was just being uh, a little, I don't know, a little cryptic like players on this team love to be. Well, you know, I uh, there was a point, Griff, and this is exclusive information. Nobody's known this. I'm the only person on planet Earth who knows this, Griff. There was a point, and you know I'm close to Preston Smith. There was a point where he thought he was out. He thought that it wasn't going to happen. He wasn't sure. There was no, you know, there was there was no certainty for him, and he was liking comments about joining other teams. One specifically was the Dallas Cowboys, and this was last year where he wasn't as sure. But now, are you talking about Preston or Z? This is Preston. He was unsure of his status because every everybody talked about how he was getting cut for sure, and he didn't know what his status was certainly going to be, and. This is the idea. Nobody knows until you sit down with the front office and they evaluate what your future will be with the team. And that doesn't happen until maybe a week after the season ends, a couple of days. Z posted all that stuff. You know, maybe there's this idea out there that the money doesn't make sense, but they're going to find a way to keep him if they want him. And I think they do. You know, unless Z wants to move on, because we ta- we, we heard that there was some kind of issue. He felt like he wasn't being valued. His, him, you know... He now got put in a position by. We talked about last year when he, when he did the restructure, how it put him in a tougher position to remain on the team next year. Um, and in hindsight, he wouldn't have done it, and he he wasn't fully informed on that. He had a little bit of resentment. Maybe he still has it, but he certainly felt something towards the front office. Maybe he wants to move on. It's possible, but if Green Bay wants to keep him and he wants to remain a Packer, I think it can get done. Um, I just wouldn't put too much stock into some of the things that the players say because, like I said, Preston had liked a comment about playing for the Cowboys, and you know he wasn't sure of what his future was going to be either. So you just never know. Well, I hope they can find a way to bring him back because I love Z, and he, like we saw in the playoff game, adds a lot to this defense. Moving on to the other Smith brother. Hopefully next year, I don't know what they're going to do with all the COVID regulations. Hopefully next year they can do joint interviews again. Because it was kind of sad when they had to stop doing that because of the pandemic. But if they're both back next season, I assume that will be a thing again. But Preston Smith kind of had a career resurgence in uh, 2021. Wasn't the ferocious pass rusher that he was in 2019. But he uh, brought his level of play back up to being a good player who is deserving of the money that he's being paid and he was especially good against the run one of the first outside linebackers in green bay that we've seen in a long time who specializes in stopping the run and he is very good at that and he's also a pretty pretty darn good pass rusher too so uh how did you think that preston smith season went? i thought he rebounded really well i mean he was pretty ferocious attacking the passer um he had a lot of sacks like he was always around the quarterback his pressure rates 
he's a turnover creator. He that's that's his main thing. I feel like is he's a, he just creates turnovers. He forces quarterbacks to make bad throws, and he gets to the quarterback make and and gets those sacks, and he stops the run. I think he's one of the players in terms of the defense. You look at those guys rushing the passer. He's got the most tools, the biggest skill set. Um, because I mean, we've we know how often he was covering guys as well, especially under Mike Pettin, less under Joe Barry, but like he just does a lot. He has he's asked to do a lot, and he can do a lot of the stuff that they ask him really well. Um, maybe not so much like covering receivers that he used to do under Mike Pettin, but he certainly can cover you know some of those type fullback guys or, or whether it's a tight end running some kind of short route. He's able to make plays. Like I feel like he is very very versatile in that way and and he's a guy that you know maybe they have to extend his deal for cap purposes or whatever the case is but I expect him to remain a Packer as well um and I love those guys obviously but uh my hope and expectation is that both of the Smith brothers will be back doing joint interviews next year now the player that we've all been waiting to talk about Rashawn Gary absolute monster season very similar to the season that Zadarius what a Smith's menace <laughs> very uh similar to the uh season that Zadarius Smith had in 2019 he burst onto the scene finally the player that we drafted number 12 overall in 2019 he becomes the player that we've all wanted him to be and god was he that player he was so good he is the combination of speed and power at the edge rusher position and he is just he is so, he's such a mismatch for most offensive tackles and he really just had a great season, and it looks like he's going to be a, a nice cornerstone piece for the Packers' defense moving forward. Yeah, he is absolutely the guy that they're building around right now um, because he is blossoming now into one of the league's better pass rushers. He's going to be put into those conversations with guys like T.J. Watt Nick Bosa as the next group of young pass rushers in this league that's going to take it over. And I feel like that's fair for him, too, because he's just been so good. Of course, there's things he has to clean up. Sometimes he doesn't set the edge well, and he's going right after the quarterback, but he'll learn, you know, especially having a guy like Preston. The more you work with him, the better you'll get at setting the edge and, and knowing when the time is right and, and keying in on some of the cues that you'll look at from quarterbacks, the snap count, all that. I feel like Preston, and not just Preston, Zedarius too, but really Preston is so good at timing the snap, getting a good jump, knowing when it's going to be a pass, and that's a lot of film study. Rashawn does a lot of that. I feel like those guys are really going to rub off on each other next year. And having those three guys, it's just been like you look at this. We've always had you look back at all these other championship teams like in the NFC championship. We have more talent than we've ever had. And if we can keep these group together, it's bound to happen for us. And just to have all this talent on defense, it's so rare. We have never had it. And now we do. And we came up short last year. We came up short this year. I have a feeling like if we just get another shot, you know, like we just need to keep trying our best to, to get to the position and we just have to not beat ourselves. The closer we get to that every year by going through these tough, tough losses, it's going to hopefully build up and, and become something that will mean so much more as part of the journey to something spectacular. And Rashawn is going to be one of the biggest parts of that because he is, I would say, arguably the cornerstone of this you know of this front part of the defense for sure all right griff there's a couple guys obviously in the depth chart that we'll hit on a little bit jonathan garvin came in and played you know decent football he's a rookie he'll be under contract for the next two years um Anything you got to say on him, or should we just keep rolling? Yeah, no, not really. There's a lot of guys on the at the edge rushers position that you know it's good to have depth there, but 
in their time of playing, uh, not a lot of them impressed me. Tipanali, Chauncey Rivers, Ladarius Hamilton, they're just, all those guys are just kind of good rotational pieces that are going to give Rashawn some time off, you know? Yeah, and I, they'll probably have all those guys in for training camp. And the one guy who is not currently locked into a roster spot would be Randy Ramsey. He's an exclusive rights guy, so he'll be back as well. It doesn't look like that there will be much turnover there. Um, most of the guys that they had, whether it was on the practice squad or, or the guys you mentioned, Griff, like Chauncey Rivers and whatnot, they'll probably be back in the fold. Uh, but we'll see for sure. But, I mean, not much to say about all those guys, really, because we talked about the, the big guys up top. And with that, Griff, let's wrap it up here with the defensive line, those guys in the interior. And it starts, of course, with Kenny Clark, who is one of the higher-paid men in this group now. He is making $20.9 million in 2022. Wow. A lot of money, but he is worth every penny because he is so spectacular. The best nose tackle in football, arguably. Yeah, arguably. He's one of my favorite players. He is a freaking wrecking ball in there, and I, I'd say he deserves that money. <laughs> Not my money, right, Bron? No, but he is, he's so good, and I love having him on this team, so can't wait to watch him play again. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not much more growth for him, really, because he's so good. Of course, he'll evolve as a player and, and adapt to just, just about everything that he sees come his way as he gets more experienced, but... He's one of our stars. He's one of the guys that we're going to rely on to be a true playmaker um, moving forward. Uh, now the thing interesting here as we move along is, is Dean Lowry because he was not cut. He was restructured, and his cap hit for 2022 is probably not attainable for them to keep him around because it's $8.022 million. That is not Dean Lowry money, if you ask me. It's not my money, but that is a lot. That is a lot of dough there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. He did not play well in the Niners game. He played well at times this year, but, man. I thought I he played really well this him, year. Man. I thought he played really I well thought, this yeah, year. But well, here's the thing. I thought he it's, did, too, but the problem is, go ahead, go. He, he kind of had, he was one of those players coming into the year that were like, why why did we give him such a big contract way back when? But, like, I feel like this year he kind of changed the narrative there and became a good enough, like, starting actual starting caliber uh, defensive lineman who's in the upper half of that area uh, uh, in terms of the rest of the NFL. And he's one of my grandpa's favorite players. I don't know if that means anything to Brian Gutekunst, but he is. My grandpa loves him, and he batted a bunch of passes, and he really got a hold of that uh, that bull rush this That's season. That's one thing so. he did. The batting the passes thing was a real thing for him. Like I think that was one of Dean Lowry's traits um, that was truly impactful. Like That's how you impact the game. You force an incompletion at the line of scrimmage. That's that's a true game, game-changing game play for a guy at that position um, where you don't get too many of those. So. That's valuable. Look, I mean, and, you know, Preston did a lot of those too, um, especially when he was really, really good for, for Green Bay. Um, and he did some of that this year. But Dean Lowry, it felt like, you know, every other game he was coming down with a batted pass. So it's tough. That cap hit, they can't carry it though, Griff. They just can't do it. I, I just don't see them carrying him at that cap hit. I don't know what they're going to do to mend that or, or, you know, retool his deal. But he's got void years, you know. He's got three voidable years after this next coming year. I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe it's an extension. Maybe he just gets released, Griff. It, I feel like he's just not going to play under this contract. It sucks that coming off of this year, he could end with, you know, getting cut. But uh, it's, when it comes down to a guy like Dean Lowry or re-signing Devondre Campbell or Rasul Douglas, then Dean, it, you're, we're going to have to cut ties with good players at some point. So Dean Lowry definitely could be one of those guys. Oh, I got a good one for you, Griff. Let's talk about TJ to Daryl Slayton. Let's talk about him because I felt like he did some good things this year. 
he's super big guy. He's he can move. He's athletic, and he like I said, he's a large guy in there, and, and he just takes up a lot of space, and and that's really valuable when you're talking about the running game against those those offensive linemen. His his presence is valuable. I think he's going to blossom a little bit next year, and just, he developed a little bit, and I think he's going to continue to do that. Um, he was just a rookie this year, so he's still got three years left on his deal. He'll be back. Um, so I think he's got a bright future ahead. I mean, that guy is enormous, bro. No offense to TJ, but he's 6'5", 340. That is, he is so big. A lot of people had their hopes up for him this season. He really didn't live up to what a lot of us were expecting, but he did make some some really nice plays, and he showed the flashes, being that he's only a rookie, and he was drafted in, what, the, the third round, I want to say? No, the fifth round, right? I can't remember. No, yeah, he was drafted somewhere in the in the later rounds. Yeah, the fifth round. Yeah, yeah Griff, so, I think when you call him enormous, I think he probably takes that as a compliment, especially when you're playing <laughs> in this league at that position. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't, you know, that there's no shame in that. I mean, number 93, living up to Gilbert Brown's name. So Let's move on to Tyler Lancaster. Notably, missed the, uh, missed the block. Yuck. On the, uh, <laughs> the blocked field goal at the end of the first half against the 49ers. Had the option of blocking one of two guys. Decided to block neither of them. But uh, l- hopefully he's not playing any more special teams if he is on this team next year. Let me check. He is an unrestricted free agent, so I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. He's kind of been that. He's got no chance of coming back. He's gone, dude. <laughs> no. I'm Chance. He's got. He doesn't got a prayer. I mean, the yeah. only way they bring him back is if they can't find another player that would be willing to play for this team. There was no reason to bring him back after you know. Even if he, even if he doesn't miss two different guys on one kick blocking, uh, what? I'm, and look, maybe you shouldn't put a defensive lineman out there to block on the offensive line on a kickoff or on a kick. You know, whatever. <laughs> like maybe that's the decision. Maybe you don't blame him for that. But either way, he's never been great. He's always been. He's like. Dean Lowry, like they just get these guys that just like are so. He has not been average. as good as Dean Lowry. He's a worse. And Dean exactly, Lowry. that's that's exactly right. He's he's he. Tyler Lancaster was undrafted. They love those guys. The guys that aren't supposed to be there, they love putting them <laughs> in, even if they aren't supposed to be there. And uh, he is just so horribly average. And it's now because it's it's gotten to the point where you understand why he wasn't drafted by any other team, including the team you have. There's a reason you didn't pick him because he was undrafted and his talent is worthy of that. And we've now seen that show its face over the course of several years. And I see no reason to bring him back on this football team unless we run out of humans and he's the last guy remaining. Well, this was like the first year since he's been in Green Bay, it feels like, that he really didn't play any snaps. Like he only had like, I think, 300 snaps, something like that. He really didn't play a whole lot because we found other guys who were better than him. But, you know, he's... He's had his moments in Green Bay. He's never been our favorite player, especially on this show. But he's had his moments of being a, a rotational replacement level player. But not yeah, even his, his time... mother's favorite player. <laughs> oh man! Oh god! Hope he's not listening. But uh, y- you know, his time. I hope he up is. Green Bay. With that, let's move on to the special teams. The, what everybody's been waiting for, probably. The hot takes are here on in terms of this group because there's there's some guys that you may not know. Whether you want to bring him back or not, for me, Griff, do you want to just start it off right away with the obviously the elephant in the room at the most important position? Um, that would be Stephen Wordle, the the long snapper. Uh, wait, no, I'm just kidding. Let's talk about funny. Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby. Uh, not a fan of that joke, Griff. No, it was pretty funny. It, it was a legitimate curveball. You got me. Exactly. I think some there's got to be somebody out there that laughed at it, Griff. I'm sure there was someone. No, it wasn't you. So thanks for that. 
Anyway, let's talk about Mason Crosby. Uh, he's got a big cap hit. He's got voidable years on his contract. They're going to want to have to either extend him or, if they choose to, release him. I don't think they should cut him. Everybody says we have to cut him, and it's the same thing. I just don't think they should. Number one, everybody knows how valuable he is as a friend to Aaron Rodgers, as one of the Super Bowl champions in the locker room. His experience in that room is valuable. It's not easy to find guys like that. Number two, that's Mason's number also. But number two, he is he's just he makes his kicks. I, I feel like the turnover, you have to give him a little bit of slack for the turnover that happened in the middle of the season at long snapper. The new punter, obviously with J.K. Scott gone, the new punter holding, it was a lot of turnover. The new coordinator as well. Things just changed, okay? He was not given a consistent group to work with all year. He, I, I, Look, he missed kicks, yes. Is he getting older? Sure. I don't think his leg is much worse. A lot of it was mental and the turnover in the room. The operation was not very good a lot of the time, and he had a lot of block kicks as well this year too. I do not give him as much blame as a lot of these other guys that were a part of the problem, and I think he should be back on an extension to reduce his salary cap number for 2022, which is at $4.7 million. They can't live with that. He's going to have to play closer to the minimum, probably around, I would say, 2 to $3 million, shed some of that salary, push him into the next season, and let's keep him around because I think it would be a disservice to this team to cut him loose without a responsible plan behind him, or at least show us a better kicker. If Let Mason compete with somebody else, and if there's a better kicker that's making more kicks and is truly separating himself from Mason Crosby, then maybe we consider it. But I don't think that they should just move on from Mason Crosby after a year full of chaos on special teams. I think that would be a disservice to him. I think it would be a disservice to the fans. And I certainly would not be happy with it. I agree. It's like the same way that you shouldn't move off of Rodgers because it's hard to find good quarterbacks. Same thing with the kicker position. And the J.J. Molson is currently on this roster. I assume that they'll go into training camp at the very least with an open competition there like they did with... Who was that kicker they did the same thing with in 2019, I believe? Well, do you remember his name? Sam Ficken. Yes, Sam Ficken. Sam Ficken. Yeah, and they ultimately... A lot of people and thought they were going to go good, with man. Ficken. He was Ficken good. And a lot of people thought they were going to go with Ficken, and uh, they ended up sticking with Crosby. So I think they're going to do the same thing. It's He's been on this team for so long, he probably wants to retire a Packer, and he's a leader in the locker room, and he's gotten gray hair uh, as a member of this team. So I hope we I hope we keep him around. All right, let's talk about Corey Bajorquez, who he free agent. was a great punter early to start the year. Free agent. That's the big thing. He is a free agent. And the one thing is also, though, they did trade for this guy. So... There's, there's something to be said about that. I don't, I don't think Brian wants to let go of him. The problem is, though, we know how good he was to start the year, Griff, but what happened when it got cold? He just wasn't ready. He just wasn't as good. He was not as sharp. He shanked some balls. It's hard to punt in the cold, but to be a Green Bay Packers punter, think back to Tim Mastay, guys like that. You have to be able to punt in the cold, and you got to be able to hold. There were mistakes in the holding operation, and he made mistakes punting the ball. Um... In, in the 49ers game, I felt like whether the, the snap was not good, which we'll get to that guy in a minute, whether it was the snap not being great or whatever, it felt like he held onto that ball for about five seconds. And it felt like that probably was about like maybe a, maybe a half a second too long that helped contribute to the block. But it certainly was, uh, you know, that sucked too. It just sucked. But, you know, to have him, I think he's one of the league's better punters when it's not bad weather indoors as well, which not all your games are going to be played in the cold weather of Green Bay. 
I think we should bring him back. I just, I think we should. I don't know if that's the right decision. They'll make a decision on him. I don't think it'll be all that expensive because he really didn't play good at the end of the year. But if he's back, I expect him to play better. He'll, he's, he's just got to work on adjusting to the cold weather climate. That's where it really, the cold weather, the Lambeau wins football games. But the problem is, like I reiterated a lot of the time after that loss, Green Bay does not have those same guys that were so accustomed to playing in the cold weather where it was an advantage. It's really only guys like Rodgers and Crosby and Devontae and David Bakhtiari, those guys. But on special teams, when we have a lot of these younger guys from California, and like he was just playing with the Rams, and then we traded for him and expect him to adjust in one season to kicking in the cold weather. It's not easy. He didn't do it. Let's hope he can do it this year. I'd like to see him back. I would as well. He, he's he got a boomer. There's no question about that, especially in, in good weather in a dome. He's got a really nice leg, and he had that like 70-something yard punt in Chicago week six. That was a highlight of his season, and uh, it was he's... I would say he's an improvement over J.K. Scott, which is pretty much all you can ask for when you trade for a punter. And J.K. Scott had kind of the similar issue of not being able to punt in the cold and looking really good and getting people really excited and, and like, weeks 1 through 10. And then as the season goes on, he kind of he shanks a lot of punts, and it's, he's not the same punter. And the final position on special teams, you know him, you love him. Steven Wardle, who the Packers made the switch at long snapper position midseason and uh, they bring in Steven Wordle and things did not improve they arguably got worse and uh, him not arguably Boho, they did yeah they got worse him Boho and Crosby they just never got on the same page and everything on special teams was so ugly but is he a free agent what's his situation I don't care but uh, <laughs> yeah he is not a free agent he is not a free agent sadly so we're going to have – I don't know what they're going to do, but I think he should probably get cut. Just draft another guy, I guess. I don't know. Or sign somebody maybe. How about we they sign didn't. Rick Lovato or something? Like, Well, you know, remember when we cut Rick Lovato and now he's all over playing great football and in, in with the Eagles? We've had yeah. guys. We should have never moved off of Brett Good. He was yep. amazing. Why did we Good, move yeah. off Why him? did we move why off cut, of Good? Why get rid of the guy that's so good with Mason? Why get rid of him? I have no idea, but now, since then, they've been in trouble ever since. Hunter Bradley didn't work out. They cut him in the middle of the year. That was a draft pick, Hunter Bradley. They brought in a worse guy. Exactly. Now, maybe they have to go draft somebody or pick somebody up because Steven Wordle was not good, folks. And that's everybody on the Packers roster. That's the reflection on their season and the outlook into their 2022 season. So uh, that's going to do it for the podcast. We've been going a while here. I thought we could get some hot takes. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to. So uh, maybe we'll do that next show. But uh, thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at All Day Packers, And you can follow Braun on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we're going to keep you updated. I don't know what our schedule is going to look like, but I assume we're going to be back uh, over this offseason. We're going to keep you guys updated with free agency and the draft and all that. We're going to be here. So uh, stay tuned for that. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Today in Titletown, at Today Titletown on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Subscribe on all platforms. Uh, rate us five stars. Send us a DM if you listen this far. We always appreciate that. And uh, go Pack Go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.